Well, how's it going, everybody? It's great to see you guys at Genesis. Um, tonight is a start of a brand new series called The Greatest. And I'm going to open up with uh, just by telling a story that I think is one of the most fascinating stories in Scripture. Do you ever read the Bible and you just find something that fascinates you? That's like, man, I have never heard of anything like that before. Well, this is one of those stories, and it starts in 1 Kings 19.19, and you don't have to go there. I'm just going to kind of tell you the story. But it's the story, and we're going to look at a couple of prophets who were some of the, the greatest prophets in Scripture. And then we're going to look at the absolute greatest prophet in Scripture, in history. But it starts with one of the greatest, Elijah. Now, Elijah was a man of God. He was a prophet, which meant that God spoke to him and he spoke to the people. So God spoke through him. So at one time, he's serving God and he's serving the people because he's giving them a message from God. And Uh, Elijah, he did all kinds of amazing miracles like uh, a drought for seven years and uh, calling fire down from heaven to consume an altar that had been soaked with water. And when all the other uh, prophets of this false god called Baal, they couldn't do it, God showed up and God did it. And so Elijah is just one of the coolest people you ever see in Scripture. But in 1 Kings 19, he uh, is in this little small community and there's a, there's a younger man, Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha. And as Elisha is walking by Elijah, Elijah takes his cloak off of himself, or his mantle, it would be called, and he put it on Elisha. And Elisha immediately knew what this meant. And I don't know if it was just the, 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 what was going on in their culture, because clothes were important. The Bible actually talks a lot about clothes and clothing. It's, it's important. Um, and when Jesus, you know, he said, if, you're, if your neighbor asks you for your, uh, your cloak, then give him your extra cloak too, or your extra shirt too. And so clothes are, are very important, and for some reason you read a lot about them in the Bible, probably because it's one of the most, their most important possessions, because many people, you know, live, obviously lived in uh, the wilderness and uh, they lived without electricity, obviously, and so clothes are very important. But um, the, 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 the clothes of the men of God were important. The priests had to wear certain clothes in the Old Testament. Uh, and Elijah, he took his mantle off of himself and he puts it on Elisha. And Elisha immediately says, uh, oh my gosh, can I, look, just let me go back and, and say goodbye to my family. And Elijah's like, hey, do whatever you want. I don't care. He's kind of just testing him. And so Elisha runs back, and <clears throat> he says goodbye to his family, and, and he gives an offering to God, and then he leaves everything to go and follow Elijah. And this is very similar to what God has called us to do. God has called us to, to be like Elisha and to leave behind what is familiar and follow somebody with faith. And this is what discipleship is all about. It's forgetting familiarity and following faith. That's what God has called us to do. Forget familiarity, follow faith. And so this is, this is what Elisha does, and this is a moment that changes his life forever. And 
Uh, it's important for Elijah too. Elijah is the prophet. He's the, the discipler here. He's the leader uh, here. And, and he, by taking his mantle off of himself and putting it on Elisha, he's saying, I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to pass on knowledge and wisdom to you. I'm taking off what is important to me, and I'm giving it to you. That's leadership, and that's servanthood, because he's giving. That's what the best leaders do, is they give and they serve. And that's what Elijah decided to do with Elisha. It's like, I'm taking what's important to me, and I'm giving it to you. I'm sharing it with you. And so they go on, and, and, and Elisha follows Elijah for a long time. And then in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, this amazing moment happens because Elijah sensed that it was his time to go. He sensed that God was going to take him up to heaven. He just knew that it was going to happen. And Well, he's a prophet, right? And Elisha, he senses it too. And uh, they're walking along, and Elijah says to Elisha, you know what, why don't you just hang back? I need to go on ahead by myself. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. He's sticking with his guy. And he says, okay. So they, they walk to a place, and when they get there, he says, okay, but this time, I, this is not the place. This, it's not going to happen here. So uh, I'm going to go somewhere else, and this time I really need you to stay back. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they go, okay. So they go together to another place. They go to Jericho. And when they get to Jericho, Elijah says, okay, but for real this time. Like, for real, for real, okay? I need to go. This is about to happen. This is, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be crazy. And it's my time to go, and I need to go, and I, I need to go do this. I'm going to go to the Jordan River. And Elisha says, I will not leave you. I'm sticking with you. This guy knows how to serve his master. And so he sticks with him. He says, okay. So they both, they walk together to the Jordan River, and this is where it's going to take place. The most fascinating thing that you'll ever hear. And before it happens, Elijah turns to Elisha and he says, okay, ask me one thing. There's one thing that I can do for you. Is there one more thing, is there one more way that I can serve you? Before I go, what do you want? And Elisha doesn't ask for any kind of honor. He doesn't kind of ask for uh, any money, obviously. He doesn't ask for any of that. What he asks for, he's like, I want a double portion of the spirit that's in you. I want a double portion. And so Elijah says, this is, this is a tough one, okay? You really came up with a good one here, Okay. Okay, if you are watching me, if you're looking at me when I go, then you're going to get it. You're going to get a double portion. And <clears throat> Elijah then takes off this mantle, this mantle that he once put on Elisha. He takes it off, he rolls it up, and he strikes the Jordan River, and the water parts. This is awesome, right? They, they walk across on dry ground, and then a chariot of fire and horses made out of fire swoops down in a whirlwind from heaven. And I guess Elijah gets on it. 
It doesn't really say what happens, but this chariot of fire comes down, and I don't know if Elijah like opened up a door of fire, and they're like, I'm going to hop in the chariot of fire. I don't know exactly how it happened, but it's, it's incredible. And Elisha is watching because he wants a double portion. He's watching this take place. And just like that, in a whirlwind of fire, Elijah is gone. Gone. He's, he's, he's in heaven. He, God took him. He didn't even, it's like his body didn't physically die. It's just God took him. But his mantle, his cloak is left there. And Elisha takes it. And with that mantle, he, he gets a double portion of the power and the spirit that Elijah had. And he walks back to the river and he rolls it up and he hits the water with it. And sure enough, the waters part. And Elisha goes on to do the kinds of things a prophet does with double portion power. He goes on to do amazing things. But I think this is fascinating because this mantle, it represents God's power that was passed from Elijah to Elisha. And it's amazing. And I think it's so cool that out of all the things that Elisha could have asked for, he asked for a double portion. But it's this relationship. It's so interesting that this relationship, this discipleship that, that took place, and that Elijah passed it on to Elisha. And I believe in discipleship. I believe that there's a, a very important reason that Jesus had disciples. He had 12 disciples, and then when he left the earth, he says, I want you guys to go into all the world and make disciples. So discipleship is very, very important. And I want to fast forward a couple of thousand years to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And I'm going to read it to you, and it's going to be on the screen. John, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who had said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who was bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do 
just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So going back to verse 1, it says that Jesus knew his time had come. Very similar to Elijah, isn't it? Very similar that he, he knew his time had come, and he has this one final moment with his disciples, just like Elijah had that one final moment with Elisha. And much like Elijah took his mantle off of himself, it says that, that Jesus took off his outer garments, or he took off his mantle or his cloak. Jesus did, does the same thing. He takes it off, and, but then he does something that's like a total curveball. He grabs a towel, and he wraps the towel, ties it around his waist, and he gets a basin, and he fills it with water, and he kneels down, because this is how you have to wash people's feet, because they're sitting, and People back then, they wore sandals. And so they're walking in the dust and the dirt and the sand. And so everybody's feet are very dirty. And this is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He left heaven. And he came here as a missionary, as a servant. And this is what he's doing. And, you know, the disciples, they always called him master. The master of the house is the one that gets his feet washed. But Jesus reverses everything, because that's the way the kingdom of God is. It's a paradox. And Jesus gets down, and he kneels down before them. And even though he's the master, he washes their feet, washes, scrubs them, and then wipes them with the towel. And then he, he says some really important things. He says, do you understand what I've done to you? I think that is an excellent question. I think that we need to ask ourselves that same question when we read this story. Do we understand what Jesus has done for us? And Jesus hasn't physically washed our feet. I know he hasn't washed mine physically. I don't know about you. But he went to the cross. And that is the ultimate act of a servant. Here he is, the son of God, and he's serving Here he is, the master, but he's acting like a servant. And Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. He had the right to be served, right? He had the right to show up here and say, look, guys, I need you to serve me, okay? He didn't come for that. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Do you understand what I have done for you? That's a good question. Think about it. Write it down. Think about it. Just Let's meditate on that question this week. Do we understand what he's done for us? And then he just says something. It's so powerful. I just have to read it again. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. How many of us are in that boat? We call him. We call him our teacher. We call him our Lord. We call him our Savior. But it's, there's more to it than just what we say. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I have served, then you should serve. He's not just talking to 12 guys. He's talking to us, isn't he? For I've given you an example 
that you should also do as I have done to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Are we servants? Is he our master? We're not greater than him. We're not better than him. So we should be doing what he did. We should be following the example that he set. And that example was servanthood. He's a lover, he's a giver, and he's a servant. And we are most like him when we are loving, when we are giving, when we are serving. That's what he has called us to do. And so many times we make life so complicated. When Jesus says things like this and just simplifies everything. And so if your life is like really, really cluttered right now and you're trying to figure out your life strategy and you figure out your goals and what is my calling, Jesus makes it so plain right here. Wash feet. Serve one another. And so much like Elijah took off his mantle and he gave it to Elisha, this moment right here, is Jesus taking off his mantle and not only giving it to his disciples, but he's passing it down to us. This verse is written for us just as much as it was for them and when, when he said it. If there is any mantle that Jesus would pass down to us, it's a towel. That is the mantle that Jesus passes down to us. And we should be like Elisha and say, not only do I want that, but I want a double portion of that. I I want to be a double portion servant because he's my master. And a servant is not greater than his master. The one who was sent is not greater than the one who sent him. He sent me. And so not only should I serve, but I, I want a double portion of servanthood. That's that's who Jesus wants me to be. So let's, let's be that kind of a Christian. Let's be that kind of a believer. Let's accept the mantle that Jesus wants to pass down to us. It's not a, a, a mantle of fame and fortune and, and really even power in the same way that Elisha could, could part the the waters of the Jordan River and do all kinds of amazing miracles. It's, it's not that. It's actually bigger than that because we get to be like Jesus. When we're serving, we're like Jesus, and that is the mantle that he's passed on to us. And so let's be like Elisha and say, Lord, I want a double portion of that because that is power. Serving is power, and it's not worldly power, but it's a godly power power. And you'll see the power of God move through you when you serve. And so I want to I want to just leave you with this this thought. How does how do these words of Jesus how do they encourage you? How do they encourage you? Because some of you, I know many of you, you you're serving. You're you're involved, you're plugged in somewhere in the church. And I, and I love that. And I, I want you to be encouraged by this, okay? And, and, and if you're behind the scenes serving, if you're in the sound booth or you do stuff out uh, 
where nobody sees you. You do stuff after service or before service and nobody really gives you any credit. Just know that God sees you. Jesus sees you and he's so proud. And that should be the greatest reward. That knowing that Jesus sees us and he loves it. And then also, there's probably some of you who are not real involved. You're not really plugged in and you're just not doing a whole lot of serving. Nobody here is judging you. But what I would do is I would challenge you and encourage you to get off the sidelines and get into the game. Our flesh doesn't like to serve. Our flesh doesn't like to do anything godly. But we have to overcome it. We have to crucify that flesh. We have to ask for God's help. We need to become servants. We don't always feel it. You can't wait for the inspire. You just have to do it. And the more that you do it, the more you enjoy it. And the more you enjoy it, the more that you love it, and you just become more and more like Jesus. So I want this verse is what Jesus as a servant. 